Welcome back to season three of the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking called Custom Justice. But if you didn't know, you do now. Keeping in line with that, this entire season has been focused on interviewing people who did or plan to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame their past. If that sounds like you, reach out. We can talk about having you on the show, too. As much as we all hate commercials, they are a necessary evil these days. This is what keeps the show on the air. You can also show support by purchasing one of my many books or donating through PayPal. You can find the links to either option in the podcast description. As always, a portion of the proceeds do go to local organizations that help fight human trafficking. Welcome back to the podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood, and I have a special treat for you guys today. I have ECHO, which is a group of women. Uh, ECHO stands for Empowering Conversations of Hope and Opportunity. How perfect is that for this specific podcast? Making up the members of ECHO, we have Lisa Jones, Michaela S. Cox, Debbie Wimberly, and Amy Weishaus. These women are amazing, and I can't wait for you guys to get to know them. I'm going to get to know them. So, ladies, welcome to the episode. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. Thank Glad you. to be here. Yeah, I am so excited to get to know you guys. Just your message, what it is that you're doing. This is important stuff. More people need to hear about you guys. So, I, normally I ask people where they originally grew up, but I want to ask, how did you guys all meet? You want to take that, Debbie? Sure. Um, we all met through a cohort of learning to become public speakers. And we got put into just a group. And we seem, we found that our messages gelled together very well. And so one day I just said, you know what? We need to become our own stage and provide talks. Because what we can do with it and help provide the world with hope and opportunity is uh, really cool with all of our messages because a lot of times when we see talks they seem to just venture around the same kind of idea and we want to give people a complete toolkit of what they can do to manage their health their life their environment everything around them that's amazing so just going through the list here, can you guys, um, I'll, I'll call on you by name, make it a little bit easier. Can you kind of give a brief idea of what kind of different trauma that you have experienced that kind of pushed you down this road? Starting with Lisa. Well, thanks for having me go first on that because my trauma, well, let me back up. I had some trauma in my life, but how I started in, on the path that I'm on which is basically creative communications started out in childhood. When I was playing games, I had a love for games and I made everything that I do did into a game. <laughs> and then as I got older, I did have a brain tumor, which I overcame and I healed faster because it was three months before my wedding that they told me I had to have brain surgery to remove the tumor. And I asked the doctor, Hey, can I wait? Can I wait to until after the wedding? He's like, no, you can't wait. You got to get surgery. So I was upset because I didn't want to be a bald bride. But anyway, I digress. What I ended up doing was playing these games in the hospital and everything, like play, even planning the wedding, the details of the wedding, I turned into games. And that's what I really attribute to helping me heal faster. So that's kind of my backstory. 
Wow. I don't blame you for not wanting to be a bald bride, though. That sounds really stressful. That in itself is trauma. Yes. <laughs> Michaela, what is your story? What's your background? Well, mine started from birth. I call it my 38 triple D. And believe me, it has nothing to do with physical appearance that made me when pregnant. <laughs> but what it is, is um, you take the three Ds. Mine first was lifelong disability of legal blindness and then divorce at 26. And then um, I met the love of my life in 2005, not long after getting divorced. But then in 2017, he tragically unexpectedly passed away. So by the age of 38, I can say I have either lived through or am still living through disability, divorce and death by the age of 38. And it's allowed me to have an interesting journey of learning what it takes to not just survive but thrive or at least strive to depending on what day we're talking about no I'm kidding <laughs> you know, I hear that but you know real authentic right it's not always the same every day but um so that's mine wow and Debbie what are you, what's your background mine is all in health um I was abandoned in the middle of the opiate crisis um and told that no one would help me. And I was left to find solutions for myself at the time when I needed my medical professionals the most. I had actually handed my health over to them to be my advocate. And they decided they didn't want to advocate anymore. So I had to figure out a way to take care of my health. And laying in a hospital bed fighting for my life, I made a decision right then and there. Once I was able, co coherent enough again to make a decision that I would find solutions so that no one ever found themselves here again. Wow. And Amy, what's your story? Well, mine is largely health and family related also. At 19, I was diagnosed with a severe case of Crohn's disease, which actually was a source of struggle and conflict every single day. And yet I worked my way through college. I got a internship to teach high school English and journalism. And I was in the classroom every day for 33 years. So it was an amazing um, opportunity to be an inspiration to my students and them to me. And I also have uh, what in the earlier days of what we called mental retardation, um, my sister in 1944 was born with Down syndrome. And that was a bit of a tragedy in our family, accepting having society accept someone who was different and, and be kicked out of kindergarten because she she was different and they didn't know how to deal with her. So through family circumstances, all these challenges, there's an emphasis on health and teaching. And those are my prime missions in life. Wow. I have Crohn's disease myself, was diagnosed at 35. I can't imagine having to deal with that at the age of 19. Uh, what a well, what a rough road that had to be. You know, all of us speak with such enthusiasm in our voices and lightheartedness, and we're talking about trauma. But all these things, um, I'm sure you know in day-to-day -day struggles yourself, all of these make us so strong, and all of these empower us. So we're, we're living the talk, and this is what we want to share with everybody so they can wake up in the morning and feel the same energy and sisterhood and camaraderie with the rest of connecting with each other. Oh, absolutely. This is so important. I mean, people need to find that hope. How did each of you find that hope? What was your, 
uh, journey for being able to find that kind of healing to be able to get to this point. Um, let's start with Debbie. I met my endocannabinoid system, uh, which is also referred to as the ECS, which is a lot simpler to say, um, <laughs> which is a system we're all born with. And even being medically trained in the 70s, we didn't even know that system existed. So it's something brand new to me and it, understanding that and learning how to use cannabinoid therapies to manage my pain, manage my lung health, um, many things that people most definitely wouldn't think of using cannabis for, opened up a whole new world about how to look at our health and how I need to help advocate for other people's health. Wow. Michaela? Mine is a five-step process that a lot of it I learned earlier in life with a disability, but then I had to exercise it to get through the divorce. And then when my husband died and, and I used daily to do what I have to do with being a, a solo mom, disabled and, and going through life without a partner right now, currently, I call it finding grace through grief in life. And it's an acronym that stands for, you know, gaining your grounding in grief and redesign to daring to redefine and redirect your course in life. And then A, living to learn in abundance and care, choosing clarity and care over chaos and confusion and then being essentially equipped. So, and all of those can be five separate conversations, but it's basically when life doesn't give you your own roadmap, which it doesn't, I mean, good luck trying to find one. I've been searching for years and I haven't done it. And if you find one, please let me know, send it my way. I've created my own roadmap. There's a reason why I've often said, if you want it done right, you better do it um, for the lack of better terms your damn self. <laughs> yes. There's so many things that are that way too. And, we were talking before we jumped on about, you know, our penchant for being on time. I think that that kind of mentality, I think, is what helps us to get through a lot of the stuff that we've been through, too. Yeah. You know, it's not even necessarily being on time. It's taking ownership of the moment. Exactly. And I would say determination and persistence and tenacity and your mindset and knowing that it's your choices at the end of the day and it's your journey or your path or your quest in life is often shaped by the string of choices you put together. Because if you made one set of choices, you'd go another direction. If you did another choice, it would take you a totally different direction. So yeah, you can either yeah. define circumstances or like your life is either going to define it for you or you can choose to say, Nope, I'm going to determine this. I'm going to decide my own destiny and, de and define it for myself. Yeah. And Amy, what's been your path to uh, recovery and, and healing? Mine has been empathy. For without empathy as a path to joy, we're all in a little isolated box. It starts with communication. It starts with noticing the person next to you and sharing and honoring the people in our lives who have made an impact in our lives. When we do that out of gratitude, out of empathy, we, we have to communicate for that connectedness to occur. So I believe that by sharing with people how much they mean to me and writing it down and sharing with them that we start a chain of endless joy because everybody realizes how special they are, how everyone's life matters and they can pay it forward then. And once they know that, we really are creating this endless legacy of joy and it all starts from within. And that's what I realized. It comes from with me, not from external circumstances. And the hope is from that mindset that I had to deliver 
to myself, to my worthiness, so that I could go out and share. That is amazing. Do you think your um, your feeling of wanting to make everybody feel seen and recognized comes from uh, your acknowledgement of having a, a sister with Down syndrome who probably occasionally felt like she wasn't seen very often when you guys were growing up? Most definitely. Most definitely. I cried in school when I saw uh, kids ridiculing or bullying um, or you know, saying she's a retard or this or that, or even without my sister present, not even knowing her. So that sensitivity early on about how important our words are and how much we have to reach out to others. Um, even uh, 10 words in my high school yearbook written by my favorite English teacher saying to Amy and whom I often saw myself at 17, 10 words that are indelible imprinted in my mind forever. So, you know, when, when we see people with differences or when we see people with promise, our acknowledgement of that is life-changing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And Lisa, what about you? Yes. Well, for me, I think the trajectory I was on changed when I was laying, I woke up from the brain surgery and I was laying in my hospital bed. And I remember staring, staring up at the ceilings, those blank tire ceilings for anybody who's ever been in a hospital setting, you look up and a lot of them are stained with water, but you, it's the way you look at them. You could look at, at it as, as if it's a blank canvas and you have every day as a gift, or you can look at it as, oh, I'm in this hospital bed and I, it's going to take me a long time to get better. So I chose to look at it in a positive way. And that's where I vowed to make play. Pretty much I wake up and I play every day. I get a new opportunity to play. I get a new opportunity at life, but more importantly, I get that opportunity to be playful and creative because that really opens us up to improved communication, looking at things with a fresh perspective, and then that also eventually leads to stronger relationships and outcomes. So play for me is the most important thing to think about every moment I wake up besides being grateful I'm alive. <laughs> So next I'm gonna go into oh there's an echo. Next I'm gonna go into who inspires you the most and why did you pick this person as your inspiration? I'm gonna start with Michaela this time. Wow. Um I don't that's a hard question actually for me. I, I don't know. I inspiration is a funny thing as a writer because that's my main predominant work background as I'm an author. I, I do want to do other things, but it's because of my writing. I find you can find inspiration in anything and everything. And I know for someone who writes, it's, I get asked a lot of times what inspires my writing. And I really have to say it can come from one book I wrote because I was in the ocean with my kids playing, you know, like Lisa says, or I, a lot of my work came from a guilty pleasure of, I watched Sex in the City. And so I saw what the main character, Carrie, Jessica, Carrie Bradshaw, Sarah Jessica Parker character, what she did, I thought, wait a minute. If she can do that, then I can do it online. So I don't know if I have certain people that inspire me, but I do see the value that inspiration can come from anywhere and that it can create creativity from anything. And I think it's pretty amazing how our minds work and what inspires us and what causes that to create a spark in us that makes us want to put things out into the world. I'm sure there's a list of people that I do, I respect or admire. I'm a history person. So there's a lot of conversations I wish I could go back in time and have with certain people. I have my own, um, I guess, 
historical Facebook list I would like to be on, but you know, that's <laughs> but anyway, I don't know. And there's some religious people cause I'm faith based, but so it's probably a long list depending on what you're talking about. I don't know if that really answers your question or not, but no, that's, that's actually a pretty good answer. You draw inspiration from all around you as, as a fellow writer. I can absolutely identify with that. Um, <laughs> Debbie. I love this question and <laughs> I've become very playful. Um, my inspiration actually comes from a family member that I really never knew, but her last name, her maiden name was Macmillan. And my family instilled in me how, how lucky I was to be a Macmillan because I had all these health issues. My grandmother was born with a hereditary thalassemia minor condition. It's a blood disorder. She passed it on to me. I didn't know it at the t for many years, but every time something strange in my health would show up, my parents would refer to me and say, but you're a Macmillan. And they made me proud to be that. And then I started incorporating play with Alice in Wonderland and following the white rabbit down the rabbit hole, trying to find answers for some things in my family's medical history. And then the princess and the pea showed up and then Goldilocks showed up and then Humpty Dumpty showed up. And so I did entertain play from a very early age about looking at health and how to explain what is going on. And I think it's an important message for us to share with everyone that those nursery rhymes and kids stories have really good outcomes or a message that we can share with the world. So mine again is not necessarily one person. I guess I would attribute it to my family because my parents were smart enough and I don't know that they calculated it but to empower me with just that I was a Macmillan and my Mac and she had health issues and I should use that as a, as a badge of honor. May that I interject something cool. here that uh, Amanda might find interesting based off of what you said, Debbie? Yeah, sure. sure. Go ahead. Okay. In our group, as we've been working together for quite some time now, we all kind of have like character nicknames like Lisa's Miss Pac-Man and <laughs> Amy's Mary Poppins and Debbie is Alice and I'm now Ariel. So we have our own little like <laughs> things that we joke about that, you know, feel like our S, but you know, so it's just a funny thing about what Debbie was saying. That's who we are in our group privately. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so speaking of Mary Poppins, I'm going to have you go next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I just uh, folded up my umbrella. It's raining here in Florida. <laughs> so I just landed. I just landed. Um, the person was absolutely my sister, Joyce. Joyce C. aptly named, you know, she was the embodiment of joy, truly. She was three and a half years older than I. And Joyce C. was supposed to not live beyond her teens, for sure. And parents in those days of like challenged children, they had a group policy for her, for their funerals. I mean, it was incredible. Oh. And um, it was just a fact of life. There was no hope. And yet my sister was fearless. She didn't see herself as different. She never saw any anyone else as different. Her empathy and the empathy shown towards her and the acceptance and love from family and from the caregivers who helped her through her life was only coming from a place of love. So it was so easy to see my sister extend her hand to strangers in an elevator and say, hi, I'm Joyce. I mean, <laughs> and, 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 you know, people would just burst into a smile. It's so easy. She taught me 
And now how can I be so self-conscious about trying to put my face up on Facebook when my sister was so out there? And that is what it's all about. We can so innocently create joy just with a smile. She was my inspiration, so innocent to knowing her own power. And Joyce, he passed at 73 years old. So wow, there was a mission and a reason for her to be um, empathetic, an angel of joy, being an inspiration and helping her baby sister become a woman with a, an important message to share. Wow, what an incredible person she was. 70s? She died in her 70s? Oh my gosh, it just blows my mind, Amy. I mean, I know. And I want to say there's a movie being made right now. I read about it the other day. And it's a feature length movie that stars a, an actor who was born with Down syndrome. And the whole movie is about the joys of, of Down children. And there was a startling statistic that 70% of pregnancies are terminated with Down children. Oh. And this, this, um, this movie is a testament, and so is my life, to the joy that these human beings bring us. My goodness, that's incredible. Uh, Lisa, what's your, who's your uh, inspiration? Well, I would like to say it's Mary Poppins, because how am I supposed to follow that, Amy? Uh, <laughs> I already did that to you, Anna. <laughs> love you, Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> but I, I, I will say I would, it has to go to my five, almost five-year-old daughter. She's going to be five soon. And she was a miracle to be born. And I named her Mira because it's short for miracle. And I had her when I was in my 40s, and I had a subchorionic hemorrhage when I was 13 weeks. So I almost lost her. The doctors didn't know from week to week if she was going to survive. And I had to be on bed rest for the remainder of my present pregnancy, but she's here. And each day is, she reminds me constantly what a gift she is and what a miracle she is. And she reminds me, and all children do this. You, you look at them and they just have a sense of wonder, a sense of how creative they can be everything new excites them and she represents play. So I, I, I love getting the, to play with her every night when she comes back from daycare and just oh spending that time with her. And she was also born on the 13th. There's a whole thing with 13s and like a, <laughs> we can make a game out of 13. So like at 13 weeks, I had this hemorrhage. She was born on the 13th. My house number is 13. And so it goes. At 8.13 in the morning, she was born. There's a whole theme with, like, 13s. And technically, I should go gamble with a 13 now that I'm saying all this. But, <laughs> yes. So, it's, it's her. And she's truly my inspiration and the reason why I do what I do today. That's awesome. Well, Lisa, you should make a big to-do out of her 13th birthday when it comes in, like, <laughs> nine or eight years. Yes. Yes, I should. It's a good plan, Michaela. Yeah, absolutely. Keen años, right? <laughs> so I'm going to go uh, backwards now through the list, starting with Amy. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of spin things off in kind of an unusual direction for my show. What is your best memory with these other three ladies? My best memory of Joycey was watching her debark um, coming off a cruise ship 
with her love, lovely uh, partner, her roommate, Diane. They had just been on the third cruise that they ever took with their group home and their staff. And there were a lot of people there who had long faces and, you know, they were trotting along and they looked like they'd been eating for seven days. <laughs> and, and they were just kind of lifeless. And Joycey and Diane were just walking animated and straight and vibrant and looking all around and full of smiles. And I just said to myself, wow, what, what an amazing portrait of the, the contrast <clears throat> of seeing this beautiful human being have a special trip that she earned, by the way, with little pocket, jo you know, little jobs that she was supervised at doing, like being a tray girl at Taco Bell and things like that. Aww. And how, how rich, how rich her life was. And in that moment, and by the way, I've never been on a cruise. Part of it was I was afraid to travel because I was so debilitated from the um, autoimmune, you know, issues with Crohn's. So I didn't travel. Um, but but Joycey was out there seeing and being in the world, heard. And, you know, now that I think of it right in this moment, I'm having an aha moment. She was an ambassador for her whole population. She truly was. And she even went to sea <laughs> to get the message out. So that, wow. that moment in particular stands out in my mind. There's no impossible. And we're all about making the impossible or seeming impossible possible. And she did with beauty and grace. Oh, that's so cool. She's so, she's so awesome. I haven't even met her and I love her. <laughs> <laughs> well, her life mattered. And when we all, with all the gifts and all the intellect and all the um, privileges that we are granted, once we know our life matters, we could be as powerful as she. Yes. And how long has she been gone now? She passed in 2017. A few years. Uh, I miss her for you. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you very much. She's living with us so vibrantly every single day. Oh, it's beautiful. So what's your favorite memory with Lisa and Michaela and Debbie? I can't say I have any one special memory. Right now it becomes this podcast with you, Amanda, because I'm learning all the time. We've been interacting about a year, but every time we, we talk, I feel more galvanized to these cod com compatriots, these um, um, sisters. I, you know, I learned so much new about each of them even just now that every moment becomes the best moment because it just confirms and it just validates and it just inspires and infuses and just makes every minute of our collaboration that much more putting it up to next level, next level. You're having us is, is just a joy and it's such a gift. So when you have opportunity like this to have your voice heard it just gets better and better. So right now, this moment, this moment right now is my best with the, with the girls. No, that's awesome. Uh, Debbie, what was your nickname again? I'm Alice. Alice, that's right. Uh, Debbie, what is your favorite memory with the other three? Oh, my gosh. There's so many memories I've had and made with each one of these women as a group and individually. 
But I have to say that that when we were put into this cohort and we there was a lot larger number of us that were put into this group, but there were three of us that showed up consistently every day. And that was Michaela, Lisa, and I. Then all of a sudden, little Miss Mary Poppins <laughs> just ended up in our, in. our cohort somehow. And she popped in, Debbie. That's what she, yeah, Mary she popped in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. She popped in. And like we just thought that somebody new was added to our group. She wasn't even supposed to be there, come to find out. She was not even invited. But she just happened to link, click on a link to a uh, Zoom call. And we all thought she was supposed to be there. So we just embraced her, brought her in. And the one thing I can say is all four of us showed up regularly. Nobody mm -hmm. else did. And then, so I realized at that moment we were all connected in a way that we should be working together. That's cool. It was the Mc beginning of Echo, whether we realized it or not at the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Michaela, what's your favorite memory? I think we've had so many. And for me, I personally thrive off of creative energy and intellectual conversation. So for me, I think it's the idea of the quest that we're on, seeking out what we're trying to achieve and having these aha moments of discovery about each other collectively, individually, and knowing what we're going to be able to create because we know what we have is good and that it's valuable and we need to put it into the universe and the world to help empower people to have hope and opportunity through conversation. And so it's as we're continually evolving this quest and this mission and this vision and our journey that I think is what makes it so good and what I enjoy about all of them and learning about each other and art unique personalities which i think is quite obvious at this point <laughs> but it's also that it works well together we're unique but yet we can come together and make something magical and amazing out of it and seeing how that's developing and evolving is just what makes it so fun and great i think that's awesome and lisa what's your favorite well i i would like to echo what everyone else is saying get that i, I used <laughs> echo there <laughs> because it's so true I think for me, the, the most important thing is that hasn't been mentioned yet. I'm going to do what hasn't been mentioned yet instead of repeating what everyone else is saying is that we've never met in person yet. And oh, I feel like, I feel like we have a relationship of people that have been meeting in person, if that makes any sense. Like that's the quality of the relationship that the four of us have at this point. And we've just been meeting on, on zoom. So it feels like you're with that person, you know them, and, and we, we, we are going to meet each other in person in, in a couple months, but it's probably going to be like you've known them for 20 years by then, if that, that makes any sense. So <laughs> that's what I think it's a spe very special relationship and I can't put pinpoint any moment, although I do, I still do chuckle over when Amy popped in by accident and we were, we were texting each other the three of us like who's this lady like we don't know where she came from and amy wasn't on the text thread yet and then we realized like oh you're a happy accident so amy's the happy accident but we love her so there you go. honestly literally should be called mary poppins yeah mary poppins <laughs> <laughs> well, we've established, Amy, how you got your nickname. Debbie, how did you get the nickname of Alice? Alice has just been a part of my life forever. I feel like I, I was born into a family with a lot of medical con 
conditions and never fully understood. And I was always a very curious little girl and always wanted to understand why or how things work. And so I always was one of these people following many different paths, many different trails, trying to figure out answers. And sometimes I found myself going down the rabbit hole with a <laughs> not understanding anything and feeling lost, but that's where the beauty of the story comes in because it becomes where it, I don't feel like I live in a box. I'm very open and exploratory and willing to you know, learn in many different ways. And so I think that Alice has just been a part of me since I was a little girl. That's, I have to know about the nickname Pac-Man. <laughs> when, when these ladies first met me, I was doing, I was practicing a future TEDx talk and I had a story about how, cause it was about gamification and play and that kind of stuff. And I thought, talked about how I wanted Miss Pac-Man for Christmas one year and the story about how I got Miss Pac-Man. So I think that's where the name came in. It was my favorite game as a kid and I still like to play it if I, and then I'll send them pictures of like if, I'm, if I'm in different places, like a couple of weeks ago I was in a, pit, a pizza place and they had a Miss Pac-Man machine and I was like, yes, I get to play. So, so you can still find me playing that game when kids are supposed to be playing it. Like I'll, I'll give some kids some money to leave so I can play those kind of things. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and Michaela, is it, does Ariel have something to do with your red hair? Yeah, that's part of it. And see, I was the odd one out. Like all of our, and all these names came up and like the flow of conversation, like it just made sense. Like it was a good fit. And we were like, we got to come up one for Michaela. What, what is Michaela going to be? And then I was, we were working on, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, ladies. We're working on a book right now. Imagine that, me, the author, deciding we need to work on a book. Um, <laughs> it's what I do when I'm not doing it. I'm thinking about it. But um, I, we, we were talking about the characters that weave into our stories, like Debbie was saying with her Humpty Dumpty and Goldilocks and Princess and the Pea and Alice in Wonderland. And so I was thinking through the characters that I remember thinking about as a kid or, you know, with my kids because, you know, we all have to watch the movies a million times over whether we want to or not with our kids and like oh my god gouge my eyes if I have to watch this one more time but we won't tell them that and so I remember always loving Ariel because one yes I'm a redhead and you can't see me but I do have blue eyes like she does and all girls are princesses and I've always loved the water I'm actually a Scorpio so I very much am an ocean girl so I've just always thought I wish I could be Ariel and be a mermaid and be in the ocean forever but so I told the lady <laughs> the other day that I finally I have an announcement I finally decided I should be Ariel so I dubbed myself Ariel so we've all agreed I'm Ariel oh I love it Ariel was the one that made it okay to be a redhead when I was a kid <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so how did Echo come to be? I understand that you guys were all in this group and you were all kind of, um, for lack of a better term, kind of forced to communicate about what it is that you wanted to do, but specifically empowering conversations of hope and opportunity. I'm and I totally, that yes, please. Okay. So Debbie and I were talking and Debbie and I were just chatting on a call. And she's like, I think we really need to do this, Michaela. I'm like, okay, I'm game. Let's play. Let's talk this through. What would it look like? And she was telling me about her effective cannabis. I forget the other two words, Debbie. I'm sorry. But the point is, it was still the same letters. It still represented Echo. I was like, that's really cool. I like that. 
because echo in of itself means you're echoing out, you're spreading, you're rippling, you're reverberating out into the world, your message and your story. And we all individually have our own voices, our own stories, and our own messages and our own truth that work well, but then they come together collectively and still could be couched around this theme. And I'm like, let's see what we can do with those letters that represent the action of echoing out, but still could break down what we want to do in our mission, our vision. So that's how I started playing with the words. I said, what would be E? It's like empowering, but empowering what? Okay, healing, hope, whatever. We started playing with it. Empowering conversations, like, because this is about conversing and starting a dialogue and getting the message out, because that's how we communicate. And then we said, okay, empowering conversation around what? Healing, hope, whatever. And we stuck with hope. And then we said the opportunity to take this information in. And so we were just kind of like, I don't want to say jam, like musicians, but I guess like thriving off of intellectual thought and flow and creativity and inspiration. And so she and I were talking and we decided we liked it. So we're like, okay, let's go tell Lisa and Amy <laughs> get a consensus. So, I mean, Debbie, you can add to that story, but that's where I feel like that's how we came up with it in that conversation. That is how we came up with it. But I think the important piece for me here is that we have messages that need to be reverberated around the world. And it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. Everybody can find something in all of our messages to take and put in place in their lives. And it's all about empowering someone else. It's not about, um, you know, you are your own unique individual and you need to have the tools to make sure that you're true to yourself. And that's the message that we're echoing. That's very cool. I'm really glad you guys are out there doing what it is that you're doing. You, you really are giving hope to people that otherwise don't see any avenue. So when people want to know more about you guys, if they want to hire you to do public speaking, if they want to look into this mysterious book that you're planning on writing, <laughs> where do they go to learn more information about you guys? Uh, we have an email. Uh, we have a website, echotalks.org. Um, you can find out all the information from us there. Um, <clears throat> you can... Um, Look at our social media, which is Echo Talk Summit on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Um, we are in the process of growing and establishing and adding to it, though, right now. Would you agree, Debbie? Yes, we're just in the beginning stages of putting our social media campaign together. Uh, we're also um, putting together, um, if you look at our social media, there's a link so that you can sign up to be notified when we have our first virtual event so that you can come and hear what we have to share. Um, and so, you know, this is just all starting to roll out and we're so thankful that you had us here to share this message. Oh, absolutely. I see big things in the future for you for, I mean, you have a very powerful message and I love this this joy that you all exude. I think Joyce is kind of spreading her love around between all four of you there. Certainly <laughs> <laughs> is. She certainly is. Yeah. I'm impressed. I'm really impressed with everything that you guys are doing and I'm excited for your future. I want to see more. I want to hear more. Um, when you do come out with your book, let me know. I will gladly have you back on my podcast again. But we do you have you up on it? <laughs> <laughs> do you have any portion of your writing that you would like to share at all? I guess I don't know if they would 
what the group would feel because we've not entertained this before so we're doing this on the spot we could send you a, a sample of something and we could decide which one and then we'll send it to you if they're all in agreement yeah it sounds good to me that's good i love it quick agreement here just even if i'm just putting you on the spot there <laughs> well, ladies it has been an absolute pleasure and privilege to have you with me today i am overjoyed that you were all able to jump into the call and and uh, just to hang out with me for a little while today yeah. and this is like this is a big deal for me this is the most time people I've ever had at one time on my podcast and you guys are amazing yeah well, thank you Amanda it was fun encouraging words and we're grateful to do it and I, I don't know about the group but I got into podcasting at least being on podcasts a while ago and it's one of my favorite things I do because like I said I thrive off of intellectual thought and conversation and so I love it and I think it creates opportunities that wouldn't be able to happen otherwise. So I'm grateful for and honored that you would allow us to do this for your audience and y'all can echo or say what y'all want regarding that or not. <laughs> I would like to just add something that I think Amanda, you'll find amazing uh, and, and contributing to our uniqueness because this is a podcast and we don't have the ability to see each other. I'd like to share with you that um, we represent 235 years on this earth of experience and journeying. And we span three decades from 45 years old to 75. Mary Poppins is 75. And all this energy has come together through the decades, through the internet, through our, our deepest heartfelt experiences and triumphs and, and survivorship that, that we have the, the the wonderful um, grace to even be here all together in this miracle moment. So I just wanted you to know that you can't see us, but this is who we are. Drop the mic, Amy. I can't say anything back to that. <laughs> well, I want to say one final thing for me anyway. And I want to just say that everybody has, everybody is important and everybody matters. And that is what our message is here to share. And we thank you, Amanda, for having us here to be able to provide that message and hopefully show someone today that their life is important and that we see they matter. Ladies, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I appreciate thank every you for single having one us. of you. Yes. You well, I think awesome. we'll definitely still be in touch and be connected soon. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, cool. Amanda. Have a great rest of your day. Have a good thank you. Day. You too. All right. All Bye. Right. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Welcome back to season three of the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking called Custom Justice. But if you didn't know, you do now. Keeping in line with that, this entire season has been focused on interviewing people who did or planned to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame their past. If that sounds like you, reach out. We can talk about having you on the show, too. As much as we all hate commercials, they are a necessary evil these days. This is what keeps the show on the air. You can also show support by purchasing one of my many books or donating through PayPal. You can find the links to either option in the podcast description. As always, a portion of the proceeds do go to local organizations that help fight human trafficking. Mm -hmm.